Grab a Bible. Make your way this morning. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. On Sunday mornings, we're studying the book of 2 Corinthians, making our way through it verse by verse, and excited to be continuing that study here this morning. We want to invite you into it. And so, hope you brought a Bible and you've already had it marked or you're making your way there now, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where we're going to pick up this morning. If you didn't bring a Bible, there are Bibles in front of you and the chairs in front of you. Grab one of those. You've got a page number on the screen, which will help you get there really rapidly. You can use an electronic device if you're wanting to follow a Bible that way. But one way or another, our invitation is to have the Word of God open so that God would speak to you through His Word. If you're joining us in the overflow or online, please hear that same invitation. We long that God would speak to you and to all of us this morning through his word, and we think there's just power in both hearing and seeing and just believing this morning that God would work in the midst of this space and through his word, and that is definitely what we need and what we long for. So Bible's open. Let me just take another moment to lead you in prayer. Let's ask God to speak to us. I'm going to ask, but I'm hoping at the same moment you are quietly asking that God would make himself known to you through his word this morning. God, thank you right now that we step into this moment and recognize you are a God who is God. You are the same today that you've always been, that you always were, that you always will be. You're a God who is a God who is working. You are a God who has spoken and is speaking through your word. So much so that you tell us it's alive. That in this moment, we're not just reading something that's dead, that's a story of the past. We're reading that which is alive. You said it's active. You said it would work into us this morning in a present way. God, I'm asking for that. I'm asking that you would open up our hearts to your word. That you would teach us. Holy Spirit, that you would guide us, each of us individually, so that we understand. But also hear your voice in the midst of this. And that your word would work. It would work into us. That it would be that power that would be transforming and doing a genuine and real work inside of us this morning. God, we're looking to you for that. We're asking you for it right now. We do that together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It is that last word, amen, that we close in prayer with, but I want to open with right now. I want you to think with me for a few moments this idea, amen. I mean, this what we just said this incredible word. Well, in many ways, that's what we're titling this morning's message, and in many ways, one of the themes that we're wanting to think through. And I want to just begin with just reminding you of some stuff that maybe you already know. Like, I know that some of you already have this pretty much figured out, but it's good just to think it through for a moment. But the word amen is perhaps one of the best words known in our entire world. It is one of those well-known words across our entire globe. Why? Well, it's an interesting thing because the word amen finds its origin in the Hebrew language, finds its roots there, but it has been transliterated into almost every other language in the world. Now, you may already, already understand what that means. Some of you are like, okay, I totally get that. Others are like, I don't even know what you mean. It's transliterated, not translated. 
translated. When you translate something from one language to another, you match the words so that you try to find the equivalent word in another language. So we're having a Bible here. We hold it in our hands. It wasn't written in English. It was written in Hebrew and Greek, but it was translated so that the words, you know, our English words does its best to match uh, the, the Greek or Hebrew words that's there. So translations work, you know, you know how it works, right? But just pointing it out, you'd have Gracias, you know, kind of in, in Spanish, which is thank you. We, we translate it. They don't sound the same, but they mean the same. Uh, you could find the word agape in Greek, and it would be translated into love in English. You'd find the word shalom in, in, in Hebrew, and it's translated into English peace. And so we have two words that mean the same thing, but boy, they just, they're, they're not the same word, right? They don't look the same. They don't sound the same. That's a translation. Amen is different than that. Amen is not a word that is translated, it's transliterated. That is because they are pronounced, it's pronounced the same in almost every language across our globe. Amen is pronounced the same in almost every language across our, our whole world so that no matter what language it in, you might spell it differently. It is spelled differently in different languages, but it's said the same. So that if you're in any culture in the world and you say, amen, they'd be like, amen, like you're speaking our language. It's like, nope, I'm speaking my language. You know, like, it's like, you know, it just sounds like I'm speaking your language because you say it the same way I do. You could, get, you could show up in any culture and you'd say, amen. And they know what you're saying because that word then resounds across our culture, which is just kind of a fascinating reality. Now, it wasn't prescribed that way. There's nothing in the Bible that said, hey, that's how it has to happen. Just in God and his sovereignty and his providence somehow has done this so that this word kind of stands alone in that regard. And yet somehow because it is such a singularly kind of universal word, it finds itself powerful. It finds itself powerful in a place that we need to get to gaze into that we get to see. Now, that word is used within our text this morning, so it might just be helpful to see it there. Just gaze on down there in verse 20, where it reads it this way. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. So when God says this, when he uses this word, amen, what does it mean? Uh, like, what does it mean? Well, Again, I'm not trying to insult anybody's intelligence. I recognize most of you kind of have at least a gut level or an understanding of it. But let's just make sure that we understand. It's not like, um, you know, just a, a, a way that you kind of punctuate, you know, prayer or something like that, as if somehow it's kind of like over and out, you know. Uh, this is like how you hit send on your prayer. You know, like you say your prayer and then you say amen, and that's the send button that, that, that you know, it's not that. It's not that. The word amen literally is a word that means so be it, or it is. It has the idea of something that's firm, trustworthy, or true. So when you say amen, it's as if you're saying, yes, so be it. It is so, like that's true, like that's good, like that's real. It's as if amen is saying it that way, that it is this way that you're affirming and, and saying what that is. Now, As we think about what this looks like, again, for some of us, again, when we think about amen, we have almost, 
regulated it to, again, just ending our prayers. It's not a bad thing to end your prayers that way. It's biblical. You know, when we do so, it's as if we're kind of ending our prayer and we're saying, yes, Lord, make it so in your will. You know, there's longing for it, affirming it. It's a good confidence to end prayer, but it's much more than that. In fact, my concern is that in some ways, even as I say this, that for some, it might almost feel like amen is like a cherry on top of, uh, of a Christian life or a prayer, but it's not. It, it's actually part of the very substance of who we are. Think about it this way. So in Hebrew, which is where the word amen comes from, it's really connected to the word for faith or faithfulness, you know, kind of this amen or omen, you know, this place where it's rooted into that so that if you were hearing it there, you would recognize like, okay, you know, for us, it's not like amen doesn't look anything like faith or anything like the word belief, but they are the same. So that when you say amen, it's as if you're saying, I believe, like uh, that, that's true, that's faithful, that's good, that's solid, that's good in the midst of that, which is the very substance of our very salvation. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, like a genuine follower of Jesus, can I remind you right now, it is by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, Ephesians 2.8, where he just tells us, hey, this is what it is. You didn't earn this. You didn't deserve this. You didn't work for this. It's by grace through believing, through faith in him. In fact, when uh, God really kind of works through this in, in deep measure in the book of Romans, he unpacks it this way for us and just giving you a, a couple verses that you could go much deeper if you want to read it later. He says, for what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted for him as righteousness. So Romans does this great argument that basically points out nobody is ever saved by their works. Nobody's ever deserved it. We've never deserved anything but judgment. And so he begins in Romans 4 and says, so how does anybody get saved? Well, the only way to get saved is the way that Abraham was saved. It's faith. It's by believing God. And so he gives us this picture of, of Abraham. It says he believed God. He, it's as if he came and saw and believed what God is and said, you know, almost like, you know, it's trustworthy. I'm going to stand on it. And the moment he stood, the moment he believed on God, God says, I'm accounting that to you as righteousness. That, that I'm going to, you know, that believing upon me is how that salvation comes about. He goes on to say he didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Hey, just lock that little phrase in your, mo in your mind. We'll come back to it in a few minutes where as he believed God. As he was trusting in God, that honored God, that glorified God, goes on to say, and being fully convinced that he who had promised was able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Wow. So Abraham, kind of the father of faith in many ways, the scripture says, the thing that we've been gotten into, that's how he got in. And that's how you got in. If you're a follower of Jesus, you believed him. It was by faith. It was by believing who he is that there's an essence of everything that we are, that that's how this comes to pass. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, this is how. It's not something you earn. It's not something you can achieve. It's believing God. It's believing upon him and where you would say, okay, God promised it. I believe it. I believe that he is what he said and he's able to do what he promised. He says that's what is, is accounted to us as righteousness, where God treats us and brings us into righteousness by faith. So try to make that connection with me, if you can, just for a moment. So when we're thinking about this word amen, 
And we're talking about yes and solid and good. It's not like a cherry on top. It's as if we're saying to the very substance of everything we are, it's like, that's true. Like this is foundational, fundamental. This is real. This is solid. This is something that is incredibly good for us to be able to step into. It's in a place where it's incredibly good for us to to be able to walk into, and I want to affirm that to you this morning. Now, interesting enough, it is, again, a good way to end prayers. I just want to make sure, again, I don't undo that and tell you, hey, don't do that. No, it's a great way to end your prayer, as long as you're really meaning it. Like, God, I believe you, and I'm trusting you, and yes, Lord, make it so. Uh, Interesting enough, most of the New Testament letters that are given to us in the New Testament end with the word amen. The very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, ends with the word amen, like amen, like it's so, like this is solid, this is trustworthy, and he's inviting us into a space uh, that we could be able to do that. It's a good place of kind of looking back over something that was spoken or said and said, true, faithful, good. But it doesn't always have to be that way. In fact, Jesus, maybe uniquely Jesus, uh, he actually sometimes would say it before he spoke something, that he would look at things he was going to say and and say it that way. Now, in our Bibles, it is not uh, transliterated for whatever reason. It's translated, so let me just kind of point out, he does it a bunch of times, but for example, in John 3, Jesus answered and said to him, to Nicodemus, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So he's speaking here to Nicodemus. I mean, this amazing passage where he's saying, hey, there's no other way to get saved. No other way to go into heaven except to be born again. And he prefaces it. Our English translation says most assuredly, you know, kind of laying it out that way. But literally, it's amen, amen. It's as if you look at it and it kind of prefaces it by saying, true, true, this is solid, solid. Like before I even say this, I want you to know this. This is an amen. This is something that you can absolutely believe in, trust in, take to the bank kind of reality. Like this is real. So Jesus, maybe again, uniquely can say that over everything he says, but I want you to feel again, it's more than just an ending. It's a way of recognizing something is absolutely solid, absolutely trustworthy, absolutely good. Well, we think about that reality, that place of an amen, of something that's firm, that's trustworthy, that's believing it, and that's exactly what God is drawing us to in this section. Now, we pick up a little bit where we left off last week. If you were here with us last week, we were talking about just the solidness, the truth of God's word, the amen, if you will, that is about what God says. So let's go back and just read that for a little bit of context. Go back with me in your text there. Verse 18, but as God is faithful, a word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus and Timothy, Paul says, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. So he's drawing us out and helping us to understand this. He tells us really three things, three things that kind of go around that space that are true. He says, okay, this is rooted in God's faithfulness. As God is faithful, his word is not yes and no. What he means by that is 
He doesn't say no, but he really means yes. Or says yes, and he means no. I mean, that's, if he says something, it's solid. His, his word is, it's not, it doesn't change. He doesn't change his mind. What he says, he says. And God is faithful. And the message that we've preached, he says, is Christ. That he says, we, we came and we preached Jesus to you. That was our message. And in Jesus, our message is yes. It, it is absolutely solid. And then he just took it further and said, everything that God has ever promised us, all of his promises to us are yes and amen. That he lets us kind of feel into this way that he's inviting you, he's inviting me to feel just the solidness, the wonder of, of what he has for us, the, the wonder of God's promises. And that's a little bit what we talked about last week. And so if you missed that, you might want to go back and, and, and get that message or, or see it, but just kind of feel the weight of that. And as you step towards that, we ended last week by pointing out just the location of this, that he lets us know that one of the keys of this is that the place where all those promises are found are in Christ. They are in him is the way he says it. In fact, he says it three times. I'll just put the verse on the screen so that you can see it and, and see that, the, the, that underlined for you even there, where he says, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. I mean, you just got to make sure you feel that. It's not complicated. I don't think anybody's going to, you know, totally miss this, but I just want to make sure you get it. It's in him. That's where the promises of God are true. So, Right now, you're holding a Bible in your hand that is filled with incredible promises. Promises of forgiveness, promises of power, promises of, of, of God's work in our life, promises of, of an eternal heaven where righteousness reigns. But let's just be really clear. Hey, these are promises that are only true to those who are in Him. It's in Jesus that all of God's promises are found both valid, true, applicable, and, and, and they connect. Outside of him, it's not. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, please hear us. Hey, these don't work for you. Don't be, well, you know, God gave promises. I guess he's going to do it. You know, guess, no, his promises are only in Jesus. So you need to have life in Christ. You need what Jesus said that we just read there in, in John. You need to be born again. He said, most surely you, nobody enters into the kingdom of God unless they're born again, Jesus said. So it has to be in him. In fact, I was thinking about that, and I like the way that is uh, affirmed to us in the letter of 2 Peter. At the very beginning of that letter, it says it this way, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. So just packing it through just for a moment. He says, God's given us everything. Everything that we need for life, everything we need for godliness, God has given to us. Everything for that, but it's found through the knowledge of him. It's found through knowing Jesus. It's found through the knowledge of Christ that everything God has for us is that which is given to us by glory and virtue. 
and very clearly that is not your glory and virtue, it's his. I mean, if it's your glory and virtue, you're in trouble. But if it's like, okay, God is glorious, and God is true, and Jesus is, is the Son of God who gave himself for us, on the basis of that, he has given us promises. So by those promises, by this glory and virtue, he's given us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So he's telling us, hey, these promises are amazing. These promises are amazing. This book, this truth of God is amazing. It will change your life. But it has to be in Christ. It has to be in Christ. In fact, I was thinking about that, and I was looking at it in my Bible uh, as I was preparing this, and I just kind of gazed up the page a little bit to the end of 1 Peter, and I liked the way it just said it even there. You know, greet one another with a, a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, it takes being in Christ. It takes being in him to have this. And so we're thinking about these things this morning, and that's the location. The location is in Christ. It's the location where all of this becomes true and where he's inviting us to step towards that, where he's inviting us to, to be those who say that and are being able to affirm that. In fact, I just want to have you see it again. Notice it just starting there in verse 18. But as God is faithful, a word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Sylvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him was yes for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. I like the way that just says that. It says, so all of this is this. All of this is yes, and all of this is in a place where it's good, where there's this amen, where you'd say, okay, yes to that, that there's a space of, of saying that. And I kind of wanted just to say this. Boy, I'd never want to create anything just at an emotional level or, or, or say that you say it, but I just want to say that's a good thing to say. It's a good thing sometimes when, you, when, you, when we're singing like a worship song and sometimes it just lands, like that's true. And, and I know some of you guys will do that. You know, you guys in second service more than first. No offense to them, but you know, I mean, just they're, they're a little bit more, I mean, I don't know, they're waking up still, just grace. Um, but you know, sometimes they'll be like, like, yes, you know, like amen, that's true. Or sometimes it's even good when you ha hear a verse and, and whether you just say it quiet, like that's true. Yes, amen. It's a good thing to do, and in the midst of it, it says as we're doing that, if we can affirm what God has said and we can say amen to that, not only is it strengthening, it gives God glory. It's really honoring Him. Again, that's what he says there at the end of verse 20, where it says, you know, that all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. That as we begin to believe him, that's as if God finds this place where he's being glorified, which, if you remember, that's what it said about Abraham, that he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and it gave God glory through him. That he's inviting us into that same kind of reality that we would say that, and so God's word is that. God's word is good. It is firm. He means everything that he says, everything that's there is trustworthy and true. And, and he's underscoring that. He's laying that out for us. But there is a background to that. There is a, a space that is, again, what we talked about last week. And I'll just quickly remind you, without spending a bunch of time on it, really the context of this amen of God is over and against human weaknesses. So without going all the way back into it, Paul had intended to visit the church there in Corinth, and it didn't happen. 
his good intentions fell through, and that created waves of confusion in the church of Corinth, both in their disappointment in what he said didn't happen, but it actually became places where people began questioning Paul's integrity, questioning his character. It became this weird kind of, you know, place where people were kind of seeking position and power, all kinds of stuff we talked about last week. And so in the midst of this place of human weaknesses, God has just inserted this incredibly good reality. He's trustworthy. Like, other things are untrustworthy. He is altogether trustworthy. He is altogether faithful. He means everything he says, and that stands over and against everything else, everything else in our world that is shaky, and everything even in the midst of a church, even in the midst of God's people, that there's not a single one of us who are altogether faithful. We are imperfect people that serve an incredibly perfect God, but part of the weight of this is he's drawing us again to say, hey, this is what we're needing. So I think about that reality, and I wonder where it is in your life. I wonder, in, in, in one sense, if you recognize how needed this is. Just the space that in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of the things that are there, that God is inviting you to find Him to be faithful. See, so many things are changing. I don't know if you feel it. I don't know if you feel that way in our world right now. There's a passage in Hebrews that says, you know, there's a time of shaking where everything that can be shaken is shaken, that those things that cannot be shaken would remain. Sometimes life feels that way. Sometimes life feels like, man, just moving. Like, it's just untrustworthy. And, and, and things that I thought were always going to be or would always be there, they can, they can so easily move. And I wonder if you have found life to be that way. I wonder if in the midst of our world, I wonder if in the midst of even God's people or even in your own life, you have found, like, man, I, did, I just I didn't know. And, and sometimes that can happen. And so in the midst of a place where you feel kind of shaky and you, and you recognize things can move, God is saying, hey, in the midst of that, there's a place where you can step over and say, this is firm. This isn't going to move. This is solid. This is a place that you can stand on. This is a place that you can, can say, hey, this is altogether trustworthy. And, and maybe you feel that right now. Maybe I'm speaking that to you and you recognize that's exactly where God is needing to draw you this morning. But I think the more scary part is maybe you don't realize it. Maybe you have been so caught up in our world. The danger is that because everything in our world is unfaithful, without even realizing it, sometimes we begin to see God as equally as untrustworthy. We don't even realize we're doing it. We don't even realize we're doing it. So here's how it works with people. You probably are this way. Maybe not everybody here, but you probably are that if somebody promises to do something for you or they say they're going to do something, I wonder how many of you almost actively say it in the back of your mind. I'll believe it when I see it, you know. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, let's get together. We're, I'll do that for you next week. Okay, we'll see, you know. Like, like you just hear it and you're like, I don't know if I trust you. You're like, I, I mean, you make good intentions, but you're probably not. I mean, and so everything you do, you have this qualitative, you know, well, you know, that's nice, nice that you're thinking that, but... And, and, and you know what, in our world that makes sense because people will let you down. Sometimes they don't even intend to. That's what Paul was saying about his own heart. But the danger is sometimes you begin to treat God the same way. So you have promises. Promises given to us in his word. And instead of finding yourself feeling, hey, this is solid, you kind of begin to look at God's promises as, well, 
we'll see how that works out, you know, like maybe, you know, that will happen, I don't know, you know, I don't actually know, you know, if he's going to do, if if he's good to his word, and you don't even realize you're doing it, which is exactly what Paul's concern is here, which is exactly what God's concern is here, so right in the middle of this place where Paul is explaining why he didn't do what he thought he, they thought he was going to do and what he intended to do. He just pauses and says, hey, but you just need to know this. God is faithful. Like, he is solid. All of his promises, like everything he says to us, you can trust in, you can stand upon, and you need to do that. And as he's giving us that, he's about to go back to explaining. So again, there is this human weakness, this place where he had intended to come to the city of Corinth, he didn't, and and he's kind of sort of explaining it, and he's about to go back to it, and that's what we'll get back to next week. But again, he's inserted this faithfulness of God, this place of God, and before he comes back to that, he gives us one more thing. One more thing that is meant to further strengthen this place of being able to trust and rely on God, and it's the work of the Holy Spirit that God is seeking to do that is seeking to establish that amen in your life and mine. So let's notice it. I'm going to go back and start again in verse 20 just so you can hopefully feel uh, the context in the midst of it. He says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who has also sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Wow. Now, like this is something God is doing right now that is in this context seeking to strengthen what we're seeing, this place where we would affirm God's trustworthiness, where we would recognize His goodness, and the work of the Spirit is doing that. Well, just so we have a little bit of space, I'm going to kind of move that up off the screen. We'll put it back in a few moments for context. But I want you just to be able to focus on this, this work of the Spirit that does this, and he gives us four words. Four words that in the midst of this are things that the Spirit of God is seeking to do. He's going to tell us that the Holy Spirit is establishing us, anointed us, sealed us, and is the guarantee for us, or we'll just say it this way for that way, it's guaranteed us. It's that space of doing that. So just note those four words in the text so you see them. He says it there again in verse 21. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ, uh, established us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who has also sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee of what he's doing. So let's just give simple definitions. Simple definitions to these words, though the weight of them is big, but I think you can kind of, it'll help just to make sure that you're seeing the words as they are. So he tells us the Spirit of God has established, or God is establishing us. And that word established has the idea of to, to strengthen something, to make it firm, to make it solid, to, to do this. And so he says in the midst of this, that's what the Holy Spirit is doing that now he has established us in Christ so that we could feel that solidness, so we could kind of be able to step up to and go, okay, God, yeah, this is good. Like, he, he wants us to feel that strength. He wants us to do that. And to that end, he has also anointed us. Now, anointing has the idea of something that is a consecration and a furnish with power. 
So we'll talk a little bit more in a few moments of how that works practically, but we'd find it that way throughout the scriptures. When a, a king was anointed or a priest was anointed in the Old Testament, it had the idea of both appointing them into that place, consecrating them, but kind of spoke of power, spoke of God's power in the midst of that, and so it does here, that the Spirit is, is that place of, of doing that, of furnishing us with power that provides strength. Now, what that would do, he says, is that would seal us. That has sealed us. And so the idea of a seal would be that which was identified as something. He says, you know, the work of the Spirit is that, in verse 22, has also sealed us. In those days, the idea of a seal was something that, again, you would put on, on something that would mark it as yours or, or say it belonged, like, hey, that's mine. Like, that's, that's you know, identified and, and set apart and sealed as belonging to or, you know, putting, you know, my stamp on it uh, in the midst of it. And so it is that, that the Holy Spirit is this. He says he's given us the Spirit in our hearts that has now sealed us, that it is this work unto us that ultimately is a guarantee. And the way the Scripture would lay that out is that one of the things this work of the Spirit inside us does is it's kind of, well, to say it loosely, it's like a down payment on that which God is about to bring us in full. That the work of the Spirit is a, is a part that would say, hey, by having this, you know the rest is coming. Uh, that it's meant to be a, a promise of heaven and eternity and all that God is going to bring to pass. And so the Spirit of God is doing all four of these things in our lives that is seeking to bring us into a place of establishing us, strengthening us, of us being able to say, amen, <laughs> amen to the glory of God through us. So let's talk about that a little bit. So we saw the words, given simple definitions, let's talk a little bit practically uh, that hopefully will be helpful and, and think about what that looks like. So as we process this work of the Spirit, there's a few things we can definitely notice. First thing we begin to be very much affirmed of is that every single real Christian has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Now it says that in our text, right? I mean, you just see that right there that he tells us in verse 22, who has sealed us and given us, past tense, the Spirit in our hearts, that He's given that to us. Paul would say in the book of Romans, now, if anyone is in Christ, I'm sorry, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Boy, that's just simply clear. I mean, it's just really, really clear. He says, okay, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. I mean, that's just all there is to it. I mean, He is that one that is inside of us that is this one that is a, a seal, which is a guarantee. There's no such thing as someone who does not have that. So that's just really important because, again, maybe you're here. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're one of those people that kind of look at this and go, ah, you know, there's those, like, spirit-filled Christians, those born-again Christians, you guys who are kind of that way. You know, I'm not really one of those. You know, I'm kind of just, you know, I just kind of here, you know, and it's kind of like a Christian club, you know, and, you know, kind of a deal, but I don't, I'm not really into that whole thing. I just want to say, well, that doesn't work then. The, the, the work of the Spirit, it's vital. I mean, without it, you're not His. Without it, you don't have a relationship with Him, and so that is something that we're leaning into so that He's telling us we need it, but it's meant to be an affirmation. Well, let's take it a little bit further. So, the Holy Spirit is inside us, and he does a lot of things. I mean, I don't want it to sound like what we're going to talk about is the only thing he does. He does a lot. 
uh, that, that works into our life. But one of the things that he does that really is central into the context that you and I are talking about is that he affirms the word of God to us or he connects us to the word of God. So gives it to us this way in the book of, uh, of 1 Corinthians that we, we think about how that looks and, and, and where that goes. He says in 1 Corinthians 2, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So track this through with me just for a moment. The person who's the natural man, and the idea here in that context is the person who's not a Christian, the person who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, and, and isn't that sense having the Holy Spirit, he says that person who doesn't have this, he says they cannot receive the things of the Spirit. They cannot know them because they are spiritually discerned. They, they lack the spiritual capacity of that connection. And they, they lack the ability to, to be able to even hear what that is. Now, let's just again just note this and understand this isn't an insult on your intelligence, this isn't an insult on your intellect. There is a sense of him saying, if you're not a follower of Jesus, it will not land for you. It will not land for you. You can, you can be someone who reads the Bible and be like, I don't, I don't really get it. And, and, and it happens that way. Again, for some of you, it happened exactly that way. I know it did for me. You know, before I became a follower of Jesus, before God got a hold of my life, I remember at one point picking up a Bible and reading it. And it was the weirdest thing. It was just like, You guys get excited about this? Really? Huh? You know, seems kind of, I just, I, I read it, like it didn't make any sense to me. It didn't, why would this be so important to anybody? And it just seemed kind of dumb. And, and it's like, but it just it certainly didn't connect. But when God, when, I, when God got a hold of my life, when I was saved by Jesus, I can remember opening up the Bible and it was like, wow, like that's really amazing. Like that's really cool. Like it was there. And all of a sudden, because of the spiritual capacity inside of me, not only was I able to understand more of it, it resonated in me in a real way. Now, that's true in every Christian. Now, again, if it's just helpful, let me just use silly illustration. See, think about it this way. Uh, in this room right now, uh, there are radio waves moving around. There are television waves moving around. And nobody is paying attention to that, I hope. I'm just... I just <laughs> Like, wait, kind of, I don't think anybody here is watching, you know. No, it's just you're probably not, right? They're present, but the only way to tap into that is you'd have to have a radio on or you'd have to have the television on. If you turn it on, it would connect. The waves that are in this room right now, you would be able to see it because you would now have a capacity uh, to receive that. That's what he's saying about the Holy Spirit. You don't have the capacity. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you have no capacity for that. You have no capacity for that. You can't receive that. So, let's just very lovingly, as lovingly as I can, just talk to you, if that's you, if you're here, and you've tried reading the Bible, even as we've read it this morning, you're like, it's kind of like that Charlie Brown, wah, 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 wah. you know, I mean, you're just like, man, I don't even get it, you know, I don't know what you guys are talking about, I love you, I love you, but that may be a, a proof positive that you're not yet a follower of Jesus, and we don't say that to insult you. We say that because we want you to become a follower of Jesus. I want to tell you there's a huge dynamic as the Holy Spirit enters inside of us, and he does many things, but one of the things he does is open this. So if there is no openness to the word of God in your life, then it's a space for you to say, okay, am I really his? And, and, and do you need to have a relationship with him because he is the one that would bring this to you in life. And so lovingly speaking to you, if that's you, hey, today, 
Surrender your life to Jesus. Come up and talk to us afterwards. We'd love to do that. But let's now turn that around. So if you don't know Jesus, that's how it works. But if you do know Jesus, that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He is this one that goes back a couple verses. and says, now we've received the Spirit who is from God that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. I mean, the Holy Spirit is opening up God's truth to us so that we understand it. These things, he says, we speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things to spiritual. That the Holy Spirit has this way of opening up God's truth to us and making us get it because he's helpful to do that. And one of the things that does is that just connects us into this. That connects us into the weight and wonder of what's there so that it becomes a part of how this works. So let me give it to you this way. I know it's not true for everybody, but for some of you, I've actually kind of troubled you this morning. As we talked about just a moment ago, that every Christian has the Holy Spirit. And for somebody sitting here this morning, just to hear me say that, it becomes one of those ones that you sit there and go, I'm probably not even saved. That's probably what's wrong. I mean, that's me. I'm probably, that's probably me in the midst of it. And I want to say this lovingly, but please understand this. That's a very common just struggle. I mean, the Holy, the Holy the God lets us know that Satan is always attacking us. And so if you find yourself living in doubts and wondering, okay, am I really saved? Am I his? Well, hear this. If the word of God is landing in your life, not that you get it down perfectly. Not that you're like, man, I've got this all like, so, you know, like, give me something else now. I've already done all of that. If you kind of get there and you're like, oh, wow, ow, ooh, yeah, that's good, mm, yeah. I mean, if the Bible is landing in your life, if even this morning something, that's just one of those like, Holy Spirit saying hi. You know, like, I just want to let you know I'm helping you get that. I'm just, and this is one of the things that affirms to you that you're his, but then affirms to you God's truth. So it's meant to be part of that. So one of the ways we know we're really his is because he's doing that in our lives. It's one of the marks that help us know, hey, that's true for me. Like, I'm in this, and the Spirit of God is affirming that in my life. And it does a number of things, but one of the things that we'll do is it goes back to that sealing and guarantee where it's like, okay, <laughs> I, I am his, you know, yeah, I am his. And then it should be that place of, of strengthening you because he's seeking to do that. So I want to talk a little bit more about that, uh, about how does that work? I mean, how does he actually do that? How does he strengthen us? But before I say that, I want to preface it. Because if I say it badly, or you hear me wrong, you might think I'm saying something that I'm not saying. I want to make sure you understand that the Holy Spirit will never, ever, ever contradict the Word of God. Ever. I mean, it would never happen. He always comes and connects us to the Word of God. He's the one that has that inspired this book, and He's the one when the Holy Spirit is working inside of you, it connects so that it's coming alive and it's speaking to you. That is what He's doing. It would never, He would never contradict that. I'm going to say that again because in a moment we're going to talk about ways that He protects us and ways that He strengthens us. And again, for somebody, if I don't say it well, it's going to feed something that's wrong in your life. Because we live in a generation that is, you know, wholesale just questioning the Word of God. And so, you know, someone will do this whole thing where they, like, read this, and they're like, well, I know it says that, you know, anybody that doesn't know Jesus is going to go to hell. And then someone will say, well, you know, but that's just... 
that's not how, I just feel like maybe that's not what God is saying. You know, like, maybe God's really going to let everybody in or something like that, and I just want to say in the nicest way, no way, like, no, and, and it's not the way it's working, like, it's not, and, and the Spirit would never do that. If, if you doubt what God is saying, that's your spirit, that's the, the, the spirit of the world, or it's a demonic spirit that's influencing you, but God will never bring it to where you would read the Scripture and, you know, say, okay, I know it says that, but I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me differently. He will never, ever do that, ever. And so, again, just understanding that as we think about it, but he will guide you in truth. Now, he does so in a couple of ways. One of the things he does is that he does so by protecting us, that the Spirit will seek to protect us from error, and that's partly where we get that word anointing, where it says he's established us and he's anointed us. This is a pretty incredible thing. In fact, if you were with us in the book of 1 John, we talked about this a couple of times. In fact, we spent a whole week uh, working through this in 1 John chapter 2. And if you want to dive more into that, go back and get that message. It's on YouTube. You can get it on our website. But I just want to put the verses up on the screen before you. So it tells us in 1 John chapter 2, it says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And that no lie is of the truth. He says, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have this anointing, this work of the Spirit upon you, and, and he is doing something. It's not about, it, it's never going to go against the truth. It's going to affirm the truth, and there's no lie that's of the truth. He says, I'm telling you these things. I've written to him to you concerning those who are trying to lead you astray. They're trying to deceive you. Yeah, it's happening. We have a world we have our flesh, we have the devil. There, there's lies that permeate our whole world in this regard. And he says, I, I want you to know, I've given you the Spirit so that that would help you. This anointing that you have from the Holy Spirit, which you've received from him, it abides in you. You do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you that you will abide in him. So really cool reality. Yeah, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, and one of the things he's doing is seeking to protect you from being led astray. That he is, you know, he says, I'm writing this to you because there are people trying to deceive you, but you have something. You have the spirit of truth living inside of you, and he is seeking to, to protect you from that. Now, again, we spent a whole week on that uh, there, but let me just answer a couple of quick questions. So does this mean that Christians can't be deceived? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Christians can still be deceived, but what it does mean, to get deceived, you're going to have to ignore the warnings of the Holy Spirit. It's as if the dash light is flashing, you know, like engine trouble, and you're like, la, 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 la. You know, you know what I mean by that. You know, and so you just go right past uh, the warnings, but he is warning. I mean, he will always be warning you. He tells us here, it's not that you don't need anybody to teach you, but that anointing teaches you. And again, I think you probably make sense. It doesn't mean that you don't need, like what we're doing right now, that you don't need taught in the scriptures, because this is actually the work of the Spirit. He tells us he gives us teachers, and teachers are doing this. But what he is saying is that you can get it. Like, it's not going to be the kind of place that you come to it and say, well, you know, if Pastor Jim says so, I guess it must be true. You know, I mean, he's smarter than me or he knows more. And so I just got to believe it. He says, no, you have something. Don't ever go against that. Don't ever go against just this anointing of the Spirit that will seek to protect you from error. Now, when that happens, 
it's this idea that, okay, a little warning light going off in your life. The idea is to go back to the Word because that's where He's going to draw you. Like, okay, I'm going to go back and see if it's actually there. Like, what does it actually say? And that's what the Holy Spirit would always do in your life. Now, again, I don't know how much this is actually happening in your life right now. I don't know how much you're actually walking in it, but I'm telling you it's there. I'll kind of say this again as just an observation. It may not be true, but I'll just give it to you as an observation. I've kind of observed that newer Christians are actually better at this than more mature Christians, which is a weird thing to say. Uh, but I just want to tell you, I've just kind of, in my own just experience, I've found that people who are f- new followers of Jesus, who are just kind of fresh with us, and, and, and they just don't know hardly anything. In one sense, they're just, like, sometimes I'll hear something, somebody will come and, and teach a, a weird thing, or they'll get somebody, you know, knocking at the door in a cult, and they'll just be like, little warning lights going off, and like, man, it just feels off. I didn't know it's off. I just feel it, and I've watched that be very, very protective, and it's weird. Uh, the more mature we get, sometimes the more head knowledge we get, almost the easier we can, well, you know, yeah, my theological system, that's what it says, or, you know, this is who I believe, or I read this book, or, and it's a weird space. And, and again, maybe that's not true, but I want to tell you it doesn't need to be true. It shouldn't be, because right now you have it. God loves you so much that in a world that is filled with lies, He is trying to rescue you from error. And the Holy Spirit inside of you will, will kind of just, ding, 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 you know, warning lights always drawing you back. Like, that's not what it says. Go back and read it yourself. Let's go back and, and, and search that out. He will always do that because what he's seeking to do is establish us in God's truth, that he's seeking to draw us back there. So it's pretty fun to realize that one of the things he does is he protects us, tries to protect us from going astray. But on the positive side of it, he is always seeking to affirm what God is saying. That the Spirit is, well, I'll say it this way, kind of in the midst of what we're talking about this morning. He says amen to the things that God says. That he looks upon it so that when you're reading the Scripture and you're seeking to understand there, it's as if he is seeking to make that just land. Let me give you just a couple verses that say that. So it gives it to us in John 15. Jesus is talking to us before he goes to the cross. He says, when the Helper, speaking of the Holy Spirit, comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he's going to testify of me. Like, he's going to come, he's the Spirit of truth, and he's going to be pointing things out to you. He's going to be affirming the things I say to you. In fact, in the next chapter, he goes on to say, however, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he's going to guide you into truth. He's going to teach you and help you so you kind of see it and land in it so that you can hold fast to those things that God says. In fact, he gives it to us this way in Timothy. It says, the good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Like, hold on to those things that God has. And so that's one of the things the Holy Spirit is doing, that he's trying in the midst of a a crazy word to affirm the word of God to you. So how does he do that? Well, again, I don't want to um, make this like a one-size-fits-all because it's not a one-size-fits-all. Your personality is different than the person next to you. And so how he does this in your life might be different but I just want you to be aware of it. I just want you to be aware of it. It might happen this way. It might happen the kind of way that you're reading through a passage of the Bible, and then all of a sudden, it kind of feels like the passage just jumps off the page. Yeah, I don't know if that's happened to you. Like, like you're reading it, and it's like, all of a sudden, it's like in bold or something. Like, like, oh, I got one. like wow. Sometimes it's like you're reading, it's like, I never saw that before in my whole life. Like, I've read this before, and yet the Holy Spirit just begins to take truth so that you're reading it, and somehow in the midst of it, it's as if he's saying, this is true. 
believe this right here. This is true for you. Believe this right here. He's affirming it to you. Sometimes he'll do it by bringing verses to mind you didn't know. Sometimes it's just in the midst of, of, of hearing something. It is almost he's whispering behind you like, believe it. <laughs> That's true right there for you. Like, you should believe that. And the Holy Spirit is going to battle in that sense in your life to try to give you strength in this so that you would just be able to trust God. So you would be able to know those things that he is seeking to do in your life. And I want you to know he is actively doing that. In fact, let's put it back in its context for a moment. So we're we're thinking about this whole thing this morning. We're talking about how God's word is true. Like he is faithful and trustworthy. But I've let you know we're living in a world that is not. And and God wants you to know it's true. God wants you to, to know it's true. And he's wanting to do things inside of you that draw you to this to the kind of place that, in the midst of our world, that is topsy-turvy. That, I don't know, again, how, how much you feel, how much you, you sense it, like things are crazy and things are untrustworthy. It's as if he's trying to draw you to a place of truth where you'd almost be able to step up to it and just go like, this is trustworthy, like firm. This is going nowhere. This is going no place. Like, I can hold fast to this. This is going to hold fast, and God is wanting you to have that. He's given us the Holy Spirit that is establishing that, that is strengthening that, that's giving you power so that you can be protected and drawn to this, so that it would do things where it just where you would know. It would seal you, it would give you hope, it would guarantee where you are, and that's an incredible place to live. Maybe you're living there. Maybe I'm saying all of this and you're like, Jim, that's, that's, I don't know how anybody does it. Like, that's how I survived this world. Good. That's how you're supposed to do it. But I know I'm talking to some of you that aren't. I know I'm talking to some of you, you're followers of Jesus, and yet somehow because the world is so topsy-turvy, because things are so upside down, because people are untrustworthy, you have found yourself living in a world that feels chaotic. And, and so you, you feel unsteady. You, you feel in a place that, you, that it's not firm, that it, that's not true or firm in your life, and God is wanting you to be there. The kind of place that you could step up to where it's say in Romans chapter 8, you know, if these things are true, what could separate us from the love of God? What could separate us from what we have in Christ? He's like, nothing. <laughs> like, everything can move, but this isn't. What God has promised me in Christ, what is firm in Christ, is going nowhere. This is an amen. This is solid. This is trustworthy. This is firm. This is good. And it's meant to be that place where that becomes in your life that which draws you into that space where you can feel it, where you can feel like, okay, yeah, amen, like this is good, like I'm, uh, this, these things are true. And when you have that, it's a strength in our world that is hard to put into other words, hard to put into other spaces, but he is offering it to you today. So I'm kind of just asking I'm kind of just asking where you are in that. I'm kind of asking you as you think about what he's doing in this place, that the Spirit of God is seeking to bring us into this place. Is that where you are? If not, then I'm inviting you to move there. I'm inviting you to to recognize both the trustworthiness of God, but even just ask, like, Holy Spirit, help. Help bring me to that place that I would say, okay, I believe God. I, 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 you know, it's, it's gonna, you know, not because I believe me, not because my confidence is in me. Like, I'm not trustworthy. Like, if that's my, my, my realm of confidence, no wonder I'm in a world upside down. But if I can say I believe him, I believe him. Where it was said of Abraham, he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. 
That's the place that he has for us. That's the place he has for us. And that's the place that I'm inviting you to. So with that in mind, you can close your Bibles, your notebooks, whatever it is you have open. And I want to invite you to step towards this. I want to invite you just to, to in that sense, to, to allow that to be the place that he's drawing. Now, maybe you're here this morning, you don't even know Jesus. And much of what we've said this morning has only affirmed that to you. The Spirit of God isn't inside you. You don't understand the Bible. Like, these things are not working for you. Well, to you, we just speak and offer and say the promises of God are in Christ. And that's available to you. That God so loved the world, He gave His Son. He's inviting you to His Son. He's inviting you to believe upon Him and find not only that He is that, but all God's promises become true in Him. If you're outside of that this morning, we just invite you to surrender. If you're doing well with this and you're a follower of Jesus, then I just want to strengthen it. I just want to say, hey, stay there. Like, make sure that the craziness of our world doesn't make you doubt God's promises. Stand more firmly on what He said is true and know that, hey, there, you know, everything else can change, but He doesn't change. And, and find yourself on firm and secure footing in this world. If that's where you are, stay there. If you're kind of stepped off it a little bit and you're living in a topsy-turvy space that doesn't have a firm ground, then I just invite you to it. I invite you to believe God, to believe his word, to say, okay, God, your word's true. It is true. It, it, what you say is right. And I invite you into that space and that the Holy Spirit himself would work that in you. So let's take a quiet moment and ask him for that. I'm going to give you a moment to pray. I'm going to pray as well. Let's just ask that God would draw us to this, that there would be a space where in this moment he gives us and draws us to that place of solid standing, solid footing in him. So you take a moment and pray. I'll do the same and then we'll close in worship in a moment. God, you are faithful. You are the faithful God. Everything you say is true. You've never misspoke. All of your promises are solid. God, we live in a world where nothing else is. Sin and brokenness has shattered everything so that everything around us and even within inside of us, it is fractured. 
and you've drawn us to a space in this world where we could find ourselves joining Abraham and saying, God, I believe you. I believe what you've promised. I believe what you've said. And there you, you account us as righteous in Christ. God, I pray for any that are outside of that right now that don't have a real relationship with you. The Holy Spirit's not inside them. They are living in this chaotic world, and they're a part of it. They could even go to this church, but their attendance here is only like coming to a club. There's no reality resonating inside of them. God, I pray for these that just don't have you, that don't have life in you, and I pray that you would draw them to life that is only found in Christ. It's only in knowing you, Jesus, that any of this is found. And we believe that, we declare that, and we ask that you draw these that don't know you to you. But then, Father, I just bring your children before you, feeling the weight of even how this, these verses unpack and just know that we're living in a world that is not trustworthy. We find ourselves disappointed even often sometimes even in good people. We find ourselves in the midst of a world that is untrustworthy, even in a, in a church that's not perfect, or people that aren't perfect. And that reality is constant and sometimes can cause us to doubt without even realizing it, your faithfulness. God, would you draw us there, though? Would you draw us out of that so that the feelings we have about our world, the, un, the untrustworthiness we have about our world doesn't manifest itself in the way that we see you. That we'd be able to read your word and say, that's true, regardless of what I feel. What you say is true, regardless of, of, of any other thing. You, you keep your promises. You, you, you mean what you say. You say what you mean. And God, you would invite us into a space of, of solid standing, uh, of, of good work in that. And Lord, I pray for that. I thank you. I thank you that not only have you spoken that to us and told us that's true, but you've given us your spirit. And one of the things that you're doing in that is this. You're seeking, seeking to make us strong, to strengthen us, to, to strengthen us in, in knowing you, to anoint us so that we turn away from error and hold fast to that which is true that would seal us and guarantee who we are in you. I love that and I just ask for that. Holy Spirit, be that in your people this morning. Be the amen to them. Be the one that affirms truth to them. Be the one that resonates it and, and helps them to hear that. That not only makes the truth itself firm, but reminds us that we're firm in you. It is a seal and a guarantee of our, of our salvation. God, would you do what I could never do in that regard, and would you work that? In your good faithfulness, would you do that work in us here? God, not, not by, by human strength, but by your work, Holy Spirit, by your work, draw us to the firmness that's found in Christ. We pray for that right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's a good place for us to be able to just acknowledge and say amen to that. And we're longing that it's met you in that. If you have questions, hey, come up afterwards. We'd love to talk about them. 
If you don't know Jesus, again, it's your space. Hey, come up after the service. Let us talk to you more about Jesus. We'd love to help you kind of come into that relationship with him. But right now we want to close in worship, so why don't you stand? Uh, We're going to sing a final couple songs, and in that space, just seeking to affirm who God is and bless him. And to that end, I also want to bless you in his name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.